With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go AU fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello. And U Street. Hey y'all. All right, so we're back in the, the regular season Sky U podcast, which means uh, it's time for Andy to get a chance to talk about the game that just happened since uh, Street and I have already dropped our takes in the Great Takes Less Filling podcast. Plug for you to listen to that if you haven't already. Andy, before we fire all memory of the South Dakota State game into the sun, do you have any thoughts that you would like to share? Well, I had hoped that I'd already been able to fire all memories of it into the sun, but yeah, um, welcome back. Yeah. You, you got you, you have there's contractual obligations here, son. Yes, no. Um, a win is a win, even if it's ugly. So that's the most important part, right off the top. You got the, you got the W. Um, you know, you can you can deal with ugliness as long as you win, because it doesn't derail your season on the first week. So that's good. Um, but as as we saw, there's a lot of work to be done, um, both offensive and defensive lines pretty much had horrid games um you know the running game which probably was more of a fault than the offensive line than the running backs was very much neutered um Rashad Bateman was a stud which was was good um you know there's a lot to work on um hopefully they figure that out in the extra day or two of practice they're going to have for the uh, Fresno State game Saturday night because if they play like that on Saturday night there's no way they win in Fresno um there's no way they probably win any more than two or three more games uh looking at their schedule so but I have I have confidence that they'll get things figured out and it's early season jitters as we saw over the weekends you know Iowa State looked terrible um you know Purdue looked terrible Northwestern looked I won't go out and say as bad as terrible, but they looked, you know, pretty, pretty lackluster. So there are plenty of other teams that definitely came out flat in week one, and uh, that can all get changed here with uh, another week of preparation. And and we'll hope for everybody's sake and sanity that it does, because uh, a late night Saturday night is going to be uh, going to be interesting if uh, if they don't come out and play a little bit better. I'm going to try to throw one more ray of sunshine back into the conversation before we move on. Uh, I was actually slightly, and I'm not going to oversell this, slightly is is a literal, you should take me very literally, uh, slightly um, uplifted by Tanner Morgan going 13 of 17 with two pretty horrendous drops by TJ uh, that would have you know brought him over 80% completion. Um, that's not something we've seen uh, in previous in previous outings. I know I, I mentioned this briefly before we started recording, and Street had some thoughts, so I'm going to turn it back to him to get some quick rebuttal, I think. Well, I think the thing with Morgan's performance is not necessarily that it was bad. Well, it definitely wasn't good. But not necessarily that it was bad. It was quite efficient. I just think it's hard often to evaluate 
certain kinds of quarterback games particularly one in which the offensive coordinator tries to go as vanilla as possible and implement a modified kent state pro protocol the interception was bad the uh there's another one that should have been picked and we gave a lot of very justifiable credit to rashad bateman ignoring the fact though tanner morgan did not in the post game to give credit to tanner morgan that if he had not put that ball if he had put that ball where he should have put it bateman would have walked into the end zone and having to make a highlight real catch i read not only in our blog and other places that it is true that for a long time normally that throw is underthrown at least historically by minnesota quarterbacks in the last few years so i suppose positive that you're giving a receiver slightly more of a chance than an underthrow duck but it is something that i think really does need to be cleaned up against week two i think it will and there is a lot of positives with Tanner Morgan. The challenge that I saw last year that I don't think has really changed for this year is Morgan's intermediate throws are often the most challenging throws he needs to make. And especially given the RPOs that will come into this offense, those are the ones that until he proves that he can make them, defenses are going to stack the box on. And well, they should. Yeah, and I'm going to co-sign all of that because... The one thing that Anikstead showed a, a pretty innate ability to execute uh, from the get-go last year was drilling those intermediate, the slants and, and the other moves that they were looking for in the in the RPO passing game. And he's just worlds better than, uh, than Morgan was and is at that. So I don't think Street's wrong in any way. I just, I'm going to keep my ray of sunshine. It's that... We've seen the exact same game, multiple seasons, different quarterbacks, different coaching staffs within the last four or five years. And in every single one of those games, despite a vanilla game plan, despite a passing game plan designed to maximize opportunity for success, the quarterback always throws a bad pick and always manages to barely complete 50% of their passes. Or in the case of, um, oh, goodness gracious, why am I blanking all of a sudden? The the quarterback who started, uh, Demry Croft. Uh, in the case of Demi Croft, I'm pretty sure he did it completing like 48% of his passes. So, To be fair, uh, not not a bad person's name to completely erase from your memory. Uh, yeah, don't. Yeah. Moving on from. Glad we've moved on from Demi Croft, given recent news stories. Um, but I was going to bring us right to Fresno State, but I'm actually in the kind of the vein of week one jitters or a rough first week's. I'm interested in what each of you uh, would list as the worst Power 5 loss of, of Week 1. Um, and so I'm just going to go right back to you, Street, for that. Purdue? I just got outclassed on many different levels. What about, like, you would you would put Purdue ahead of Tennessee? Well, the Tennessee loss is a is an objectively bad loss, but I I found it hilarious. So <laughs> I don't rate it as bad of a loss as as the Purdue one. The Purdue one is bad because of watching the Tennessee uh, Georgia Georgia Southern game. Uh, Tennessee never looked like they were the better team in that game. Perhaps with some mild exception in the first half or something. Uh, for a short period of time. Purdue like, was objectively the far better team and then just choked like Tom Thibodeau was coaching them in the third quarter. Oh, God. So I think that's a worse loss. 
All right, I, I can uh, I can go with that. Uh, Andy, what would you say is is your worst loss of the uh, of the of week one? Yeah, you're not going to get any different argument here. It's definitely Purdue. Um, you know, Tennessee they switched coaches. I think as much as their fans would like to think they're on the upswing, it's definitely going to be a year or two. Um, you know, I would not be surprised if Tennessee struggles to uh, you know one of those pretty awful four and four and you know eight type seasons which is going to be just you know down in down in knoxville it won't go over well but um we can call it the curse of greg Schiano, i guess um but yeah purdue i mean now granted purdue isn't getting quite as much hype but you've got rondale moore you've got everybody's you know you've got uh the quarterback that everybody was was hyping up saying oh he's just as good as blau and and elijah sindelar yes and and the fact that you know he threw not one but two horrible interceptions in the fourth quarter, including the one that ended up winning the game for Nevada. Uh, Nevada kicks a 56-yard walk-off. Um, Purdue blows a 30, I think it was 31-13 lead halfway through the third quarter. Um, you know, it's on the road. So, but I mean, Nevada, while a slightly better team, it it shouldn't be that bad. Um, you know, I I think Fresno State is a much better team than than Nevada, um, and so for for example, if the Gophers would do that this weekend, it would be a pretty bad loss, um, but it wouldn't be as bad because at least Fresno State you could say was you know top twenty five team last year, et cetera. Nevada will be a will be a bowl team this year, I think, but they're not going to be uh, you know they're not going to be in anybody's top twenty five at the end of the year, and and that's a team if you're a supposedly top half of the Big Ten team like Purdue thinks they are, or at least Purdue's fans think they are, uh, that that's a loss that's inexcusable. And and honestly, if the Big Ten West is as competitive as everybody is, that could be a game that potentially might cost Purdue a bowl game come December. Also true. Uh, I mean, if if we're going to stay with overreactions to week one, or I'm, I'm guessing transitioning to overreactions to week one, what Big Ten team made you reevaluate? after their week one performance. Andy? Um, you know, I guess it's not reevaluate so much, but, um, you know, the, the, the upper echelon teams historically looked as good as they should have. I mean, Wisconsin did just awful, awful things to South Florida. Um, Jonathan Taylor's good, by the way. I don't know if we knew that. Uh, he, he, he's pretty good. Um, what Ohio State did in the in the first quarter to uh, whoever the, the little sister of the poor, F- FAU. That's right. That's FAU. right. It was it was it was Lane who uh, who was taking the brunt of that one. I mean, uh, Justin Fields looks like he's gonna fit in just fine uh, in in the hierarchy of Ohio State quarterbacks. So, um, you know, uh, Nebraska won but didn't look great. Minnesota won but didn't look great. Um, you know, Illinois actually surprised a little bit. Um, you know, maybe granted they were playing Akron and nobody knows how good Akron is, but they uh, they showed some offensive prowess. So, um, you know, I think it's uh, I think we'll get a better look this week. I think we'll have a couple more competitive games. Ohio State gets Cincinnati will be fun. Um, is El Asico this week or next week? I think it's it might be one more week away. Mm, no, I think it's this, is this week, week, isn't it? So that that will be an interesting, um, you know, look into into things like that, and uh, so yeah, ba- basically, 
I'm not surprised by anything other than Purdue choking the game away. The, but the, the cream of the crop is definitely, at least in the first week, floated to the top. Okay. Street, do you have any reevaluation that you'd like to do off of? What, I know you hate doing that small sample size thing. Pretend and play along with me. Well, it's not even a small sample size problem here because you're asking, I think, a slightly different question on a reevaluation front. I would say I reevaluated Nebraska. Initially, I thought that Scott Frost might try and do something slightly different than Tom Osborne, and then he played Maurice Washington. So there we are. (laughs) Oh, well, they did say they wanted Tom Osborne back. I mean, he's just giving the fans what they want. Yeah. Yeah, let's... Oh, Scott Frost, get a spine. Um, All right, Fresno State, before we get into the details, I'm just going to ask a very general question. Are you more fearful of this game, more trepidation about this game than you had uh, preseason now that we've had one week of Minnesota football? And we'll go to Andy for that. Um, You know, I'll I'll honestly say yes. Um, Had... And, and it may be ill-founded, but had the Gophers come out and really taken care of business and dominated on both sides of the line like I thought they should have last week, then, then yeah, I'd, I'd feel pretty confident going into this weekend. Honestly, I'm, I'm back to uh, closer to a 50-50 split. Um, you know, I, I've been going back and forth. I think it'll be a close game regardless, um, and it'll probably come down to potentially the last drive like last year's game did, and... and Antoine Winfield Jr. made a play that saved the game, and the Gophers got the win. Um, it may take somebody making a play, whether on the offensive or defensive side, to make they get a similar win this year. Um, you know, we didn't get a, a ton of read off of Fresno State and USC, especially since JT Daniels missed the entire second half after uh, Fresno State tore his ACL. Um but yeah, I'm 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 a little bit more concerned about uh, about this Saturday night than I was a week ago for sure. Street, how about you? No. Looking at the game before the season, going on the road early on in a non-conference against a team that will be much better than expected, and I think that is true about Fresno State. They were a very good football team last year. They lost a lot of talent, but Jeff Tedford is a good football coach, his Cal tenure at the end accepted, that he's going to have a team that was ready to play. I think that was true going into the week. Nothing in week one on Fresno State side of the world changed my view on that front. As far as Minnesota is concerned, a lot of the problems I think Minnesota had in week one, I am reasonably optimistic that they're fixable because a fair number of them were communication-based and effort-based. And also week one, you have a lot of problems, have to get a lot of kinks worked out. So there isn't anything that I think changed in such a negative direction from Minnesota's side of the ball that I would be more worried than I was at the beginning of the year. Okay. All I've got about Fresno State is preconceived notions. They were uh, under, you know, I think quietly under... Sorry, undervalued or overlooked team last year, despite you know finishing uh, the way they did, twelve and two. Uh, obviously, they lost a lot of talent, so I expected a pretty good team that was going to take time to gel, and that Minnesota, you know, wouldn't handle easily. But you know, I wasn't overly worried about the game, foolishly or not. That's that's where I was. Honestly, I don't know that I know. I, I certainly didn't watch the Fresno State USC game. I had. 
just honestly, I kind of forgot it was the late game on Saturday, so I didn't even really get a get it into my head to take a peek at it. But um, I don't really know what to expect for them now because I haven't watched them. I haven't seen how the new talents come together. And basically what I'm saying is I need one of you guys to preview Fresno State for me because I need to know whether I should be afraid or not. So who wants to step up and let me know about their offense? We decided to split this, Chris. I'll take the offense. Andy will take the defense. You guys but are magicians. Thank you. We we do what we can. So last year, it is true, Fresno State was a top 25 team by the end of the season. They had two losses, one of which, if you recall, was two the good guys the university of minnesota the other was to boise state who while we didn't cover it in terms of week one that was most impressive to me uh, the boise state florida state game was uh, fantastic to watch both of those games the fresno state lost last year were a single sore obviously antoine winfield athleticism aside and they only lose one game last year uh, most of that team graduated in Importantly, their starting quarterback and their star wide receiver and all but one of their starting offensive linemen. So they are starting completely over anew at a lot of key skill positions. They also lost a fair amount on defense as well, though Andy will discuss the defense a little bit more with us for their five tacklers from last season. So they have to replace a lot of players. They absolutely can score. They've got a dynamic quarterback whose name is Jorge Reyna, who is going to be a dual threat he's gonna be the focal point of the offense much like marcus mcmarion was last year watching the highlights of the usc fresno state game he was quite inconsistent in his first start i suspect some of that is week one we'll see from week one to week two i do think that if you're trying to figure out should i be terrified or not the big question will be whether or not joe rossi can fix whatever communication issue was happening with the linebackers. Some of that we suspect will be helped, uh, assuming that Carter Coughlin is completely healthy and that Kamal Martin will be back because his absence, I think, was felt quite a bit in week one. But the linebackers can't be on skates all game. If they are, it'll be a long, it'll be a very long Saturday. Alternatively, if the linebackers and to some extent the front four, but really the linebackers from communication, setting the edge, keeping the ball in front and funneling to the correct lanes, if they do that, I think the Gophers defense definitely has better athletes than Fresno State's offense in its current form and should be able to be successful. Andy, what do I need to know uh, about Fresno State's defense? Yeah, their defense, as, as Street said, you know they were a top twenty defense in the country last year, and they uh, they lost a lot, but they still are returning a lot of talent. They have uh, six starters returning. Uh, linebacker Michael Walker is uh, their their best player returning. He actually led the uh, the Bulldogs with fifteen tackles against USC last Saturday. Um, He's joined in the, the linebacking core with uh, Justin Rice. Uh, Rice is a junior and Walker a senior. Both of them, uh, Rice had 10 tackles. Um, you know, I, I think from, from taking a look at the stats, not taking a terribly deep dive, their, their defensive line definitely um, is a line that the Gophers should be able to hopefully, if they live up their potential, to move around a little bit. Uh, but Fresno does return a good core in their linebacking uh, group and in their secondary uh, safety Juju Hughes was second on the team with 11 tackles against uh, USC and they have uh, 
where's the other name here? Sorry, they bring uh, Chris Gaston. Uh, he's a corner sophomore, and he had he had twelve tackles. So they they definitely played well, especially as the game went on against USC. Uh, the Trojans jumped out to a, a rather large lead, and, and Fresno State, uh, now granted against it was USC's backup quarterback, but turned the defense on in the second half, and I don't think USC actually scored um, after about the five-minute mark of the third quarter. Uh, shut them out completely in the fourth quarter to, to uh, barely lose 31-23, but Fresno had a chance at the end of the game to uh, try and tie it. So, you know, I, I think it's it's going to be big for the Gophers to try and establish the run. Um, if Minnesota can get a really good uh, run game going and try and wear down that defensive front even further, I think it'll only bode well for them. Um, but, you know, like I said, the, Fresno State has some athletes. I haven't seen a game-time temperature. I'm guessing Fresno State, Fresno, California, it's going to be warm. Um, it, it's going to be a late-night start, 9.30 kickoff central time. So, um, you know, I think Fresno definitely will hold the intangible edge. It's going to be up for Minnesota to uh, to show that they have the talent edge and, and let some of those uh, high-profile talents go out and uh, do what they need to do to use their, their size and their talent to an advantage. The always correct Dark Sky app uh, is currently saying that the temperature should be Somewhere at 6 p.m. it says 94, at 8 p.m. it says 89. So, you know, somewhere in between there with a feels like that matches uh, the actual temperature. So, so yeah, so we're as of today, we're, we're warm. Warm, yeah. So, I mean, and granted, I mean, 90 degrees isn't, isn't that hot if it feels like it. But, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm wondering if the Gophers are working in the indoor and cranking the heat up or something like that, because it's been a relatively cool last few weeks for Minnesota, so you haven't had the Gophers going out and working grueling practices in 80 and 90 and humid degree temperatures. They've been more accustomed to the 70 degree temperature. So I'm sure they're going to be stressing hydration. I'm sure they're going to be stressing, you know, working, trying not to cramp up, things like that. But, um, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be a little bit of a temperature shock to, to the Gophers, and they're going to have to uh, go into a, a bit of a hostile environment and try and adapt. All right, give me some predictions. Street, What what's, uh, I need score and winner. Good guys win. So they'll be 2-0 and after the end of this week i expect it to be a pretty close game i probably won score 21 17 okay andy how about you oh again i've been going back and forth and back and forth on this and i could see either team winning by uh by a you know a tight score but we are the homer podcast so i think i'll stick with the homer gophers pull out the win 23 21 Okay. I've decided to stay optimistic. Um, not that this won't be uh, a difficult game. I certainly think it's going to be close into the fourth quarter. I've just decided to feel like Minnesota doesn't just pull it off by the skin of their teeth, but they score a late touch. Excuse me. Score a late touchdown uh, to kind of to kind of put it away. I'm going to say 28-17. Uh, you can all ridicule me now. No, seriously, that was an invitation if you felt like ridiculing me. I'm not going to ridicule you. It's definitely could happen. It, it it could also be twenty eight seventeen Fresno State. I think we'll we'll save the ridicule for 
all of us on Sunday morning if, if the Gophers come out and prove us all wrong, hopefully positively and not negatively if Fresno State wins by 14 points and we're taking a look in the mirror and going, uh, this team is not where we thought it or hoped it would be. Seems fair. All right, so before we get into some volleyball and hockey, that's right, hockey, uh, we're going to hear a little word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right. Volleyball. Volleyball had a big weekend uh, this past weekend. A little bit of a split decision in terms of outcome, though. Andy, can you bring us a little bit of a recap of what happened for uh, volleyball team? Yeah, the uh, Gopher volleyball team started out the country ranked number three uh, coming out of the preseason poll and uh, got off to a good start. They played in the ACC Big Ten uh, Invitational down in uh, North Carolina at the University of North Carolina, uh, and they took on the host Tar Heels Friday and got off to a, an easy start, winning 3 nothing. Um, had no problem with the Heels. Uh, Stephanie Samity one of the uh, preseason all big 10 predictions uh led the team with 15 kills um taylor morgan senior back had uh, 12 kills and uh new setter kylie miller who came in and has to step into the giant shoes to replace uh triple s uh she had 41 assists However, the uh, the good news did not last uh, too long as the Gophers would then play Florida State on Saturday afternoon and uh, they would get swept by the Seminoles 3-0. Uh, Minnesota, from what I can generally pick up, looked terrible. Florida State pretty much dominated them. Uh, they won 25-17 in the first set. The Gophers blew a 24-20 lead in the second set to lose 26-24. Uh, and then the Florida State finished them off 25-21. Um, Alexis Hart had 14 kills to lead the Gophers uh, in the uh, chalk it up to the revenge aspect. Jasmine Martin, who uh, had played for the Gophers her first two seasons, transferred to Florida State in the offseason and, and led the Seminoles with 15 kills. So um, she wanted to uh, make Hugh look bad on that one, and it, it sort of showed off on Saturday. So, uh, the Gophers are one and one. They dropped to number eight in the country in the uh, Division One poll that came out earlier this week, and uh, their incredibly tough non-conference schedule doesn't get any easier. Uh, the Gophers will play tomorrow night. This is, I guess, if this coming out, you'll hear this on Wednesday. So that will be tonight uh, against number three Texas down in Austin, 
and then they come home for their home opener Saturday, and they host number seven Florida in their home opener Saturday at the PAV. So uh, the Gophers get two top ten teams three days apart this week, um, and we'll really get a better look and see whether this Gopher team is, is reloaded and it will be a top ten team or whether uh, they just quite aren't clicking yet this early this season and they've uh, taken a little bit of a step back. Is it really time to talk about hockey? It feels very early to be talking about hockey. Yeah, it seems incredibly early, but uh, the women's schedule is a little step or two ahead of the men. The women had their first practice of the year today, um, which, yeah, seems incredibly early and ridiculous. But um, they uh, they start the season. They Two weeks from Saturday, they have uh, the first exhibition game of the year against the Toronto Arrows. Um, and then they host the Minnesota Whitecaps on Sunday, and they start the season for real Friday the 27th uh, when they host Colgate for a series at Ritter. So, yeah, uh, real women's hockey only three weeks away, which seems insanely ridiculous, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's coming up a lot faster. Um, you know, when we think fall, we're thinking more like, you know, soccer and things like that. Uh, go for women's soccer team, not off to a great start this season, 0-2-2 record. Uh, started out with a, a tie and a loss out in California to open the season at UC Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara and at Cal State Fullerton. Uh, then they played a couple of SEC foes down in uh, Mississippi last weekend, getting a tie against Arkansas and losing 3-2 to Ole Miss. They open up their home slate Thursday evening, 7 p.m., when they host Marquette. So if you're into uh, Gopher women's soccer, you can go get your first chance to see them play a uh, quality opponent Thursday evening. The Whitecaps game could be a fun exhibition because I'm assuming the Whitecaps are still pretty well populated by former Gophers. Yeah, actually, uh, they are and they aren't. They they for those who haven't been paying attention to the uh, the women's hockey saga, a lot of the top players, especially the ones that played for the Whitecaps last year, are uh, are holding out this season as they try and get uh, some equal pay and and one single league moving between the. Uh, the, the uh, U.S. Women's League and the Canadian Women's League and merging and things like that. So, so your players like uh, Hannah Brandt and some of those other ones are, are playing more on a, on a barnstorming team uh, with other members of the U.S. national team and things like that. So they're not going to be playing for the Whitecaps this year. Uh, but the Whitecaps have added a few more of the... Uh, I don't want to say lower tier, but uh, some of the some of the less non-U.S. national team former Gophers. Uh, I saw they just signed... Um, now I'm completely blanking who they just signed, but they signed a couple other former Gophers here in the last week. Um, you know, players that were were good for Minnesota, but uh, aren't quite on that level of the uh, of the Hannah Brants and of uh, Amanda Leviers on on that world. So, well, this is my uh, reminder to recalibrate my hockey Twitter because I was I'm apparently under in uh, less aware and underinformed on the the holdout situation, which is something I feel like I should be. Uh, more attuned to so note to self fix that twitter game all right so friends let's just see how it goes uh with luck there's a great takes less filling in your future that is uh street and i celebrating madly at a giant blowout perhaps more realistically it's street and i lamenting some things that need to be worked on but celebrating that it wasn't a loss let's let's vote for that one as a as a low end of things and let's just i don't want to live in a world where i gotta talk about a loss yet so let's not go there 
But until then, Saturday, or I guess Sunday is maybe perhaps when you'll listen to it. Go Gophers. Sky Yuma. Row the boat. <laughs>